I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning at verse 1. where Paul writes. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this opportunity to study it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love World Communion Sunday. Today we join together with churches across our world to celebrate, to worship, and to come to the table. I love World Communion Sunday because it reminds me of something that I know and I've always known, but sometimes we forget, and that is that it's not all about us, that we're part of something that is, that is much bigger than us, that, that God is doing something that includes us, but it is beyond us. It's great to be able to come to the table, Holy Communion, Holy common union, holy oneness, holy oneness. We we need some oneness in our world today. We live in such a divisive age today. I mean, it's, it's interesting how angry we are today, how divided people are today, and how frustrated people are today. We need some holy oneness. Something that will transcend that. I mean, our, our political world today is absolutely incredible to see the animosity that you experience between people and lines are drawn and you've got to pick a team, pick a side. And, and, and it's not so much what the issue is, it's which side you're on, which team are you on. And, and therefore, if you're for it, I'm against it. And I don't even know what it is yet just divisiveness it's, it's, it's interesting and in, in my car I, I have several different radio stations that are programmed in and three of them are news stations and then one of them is a Christian music station to help me process what I just heard on the other three 
But what I find interesting is, you know, is I'll listen to one and, and they'll tell me what I'm supposed to know and believe and think about our world. And, and then I hit the other button and it's like, well, no, here's what you're supposed to think and believe. And this is what really happened in the world. And then you hit another one and they go, oh, no, 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 no. They're wrong. Here's what really happened. And, what, and it's amazing trying to figure out what, what is the truth, where is the truth, which side are you on, and, and lines are drawn. And people hating each other when they don't even know each other. And, and then, you know, we, we turn the page and we, we think, well, surely we're progressing. But even in our world today, I mean, I, I'm amazed that why are racial issues still an issue? At, at what point will we begin to look at other human beings as God looks at other human beings? People who are made in the image of God. I mean, I, I just don't understand why I can dislike somebody that I don't even know. That makes no sense. I, I need some holy oneness, some holy communion, something that will transcend this. And, and even in the church, I mean, even in the church, sometimes you see these lines and divisions. I'm, I'm always amazed, you know, when I, when I grew up, there were some churches that, that were pretty clear that if you were not a member of their denomination, their brand of church, you were not a Christian. And boy, are they going to be surprised when I'm there. I just hope they're not disappointed. I mean, sometimes we draw the lines where it's almost like, Man, how did you get up here? I didn't think y'all were going to be up here. I thought it was just going to be us. Lines are drawn. You see it in the United Methodist Church every four years. You see it all the time, but in particular every four years when we have what's known as our general conference and we elect delegates. It's kind of funny. We call ourselves United Methodists and we'll sing, blessed be the tie that binds, but then it comes time to vote for delegates and we're going... This is the list. These are the people like us. And everybody's got their list, and it's so divisive right now, and we need some holy oneness. There's such an us and them in our world, and, and how do we transcend it? How do we get to the point where we can rise above that? We get a glimpse of it once in a while, but typically, unfortunately, it takes something like a natural disaster for us to get a glimpse of it. Like a hurricane. I mean, I, I remember when uh, Katrina hit the Gulf Coast several years ago, and, and I was leading some of the early response teams, like the training that we've got scheduled for Saturday. I was leading some of these teams in, and, and, and what was interesting is, is when you, you've got a crisis like that and a disaster like that, the lines seem to go away, or at least for a while. I mean, for a while, we pulled in and, and they would go, okay, we want you to work this area, and, and in particular, if your church will take care of this street and these, these three houses in particular. And, and nobody said, well, I've got a question for you. Are they red or blue? Are they Methodist or Presbyterian? Because you know we're Methodist. We do Methodist. I mean, the point of it is, is for a while, just for a while, we saw people as other human beings. 
who needed other people. And, and it transcended. But, but, then, but then the waters recede. I remember when Harvey hit Texas. You remember seeing the pictures of, of the incredible flooding. We have friends that are there in Houston area. And, and what was interesting is, is you watch the boats pulling up to help people. Just people just, you know, coming from all over the country, you know, and dropping a boat in the water and, and, and pulling up to a house. And, and when we pulled up to a house, they, the people just would say, get in. Nobody cared who was in the house, and nobody seemed to care who was in the boat. They just were glad somebody was there and saw them as people. And you saw neighbors helping neighbors, people helping people, and all the divisions for a while seemed to go away, but then the waters receded. How do we transcend this? And now we've got... Florence going on even in North Carolina and the flooding has been immense and several of you, some of you were involved I think just you know in the last couple days uh, through your church you sent um, and Dwight Jacobs and some of his team you sent trailer loads of bottled water and diapers and supplies and all kinds of things went down toward Lumberton and, and toward some of the areas that were so affected by the flooding and, and nobody asked do we know who's going to get this? Do we know what they're like? We just knew it's people. It's people needing help, and that's all that seemed to matter at the time. How do we, how do we transcend, but the waters will recede, and it'll get back to normal. But how do we get a new normal? With holy oneness, holy communion where we're able to transcend this. Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, and, and in his letter, he, he's sharing the good news. Now, this letter to Ephesus is different than some of the other letters. Normally when Paul writes a letter to like Cork or to Galatia or to Rome or different places, he's writing to a particular church at a particular time with particular issues. This letter is known as a circular letter. More like a sermon. It doesn't seem that there's a particular issue going on. It's Paul writing a letter that's to be taken to the various churches throughout Ephesus and proclaimed and shared. And, and, and here's something that's happening in Ephesus that, that Paul refers to that, well, you might need to hang on to your seat for this because it, it might surprise you just a little bit. But in Ephesus, the Jews and the Gentiles were worshiping in the same church. They did. It's in there. There was a holy communion, a holy oneness. And so Paul writes to the church and, and he's celebrating that they're worshiping God together and he's celebrating that they're working in ministry together and he's celebrating that they're sharing life together. And, and so he begins the sermon or the letter by, by sharing the theology and in Ephesians chapter 2 is where you get that, that beautiful scripture where Paul says, and just remember this, it's by grace that you are saved through faith. Now, this is not anything that we could earn, anything that we could do. This is absolutely a gift from God. God has given us this because God loved us so much. 
But then Paul goes on, and, and after he shares the theology, he starts getting practical, and he goes, so now, now continue to, to work together. Continue to value each other. All of you have gifts. All of you have abilities, and, and you're all different, but that's by design. So that when you work together, you can, you can be complete. And, and so don't, don't talk bad about each other. Well, that, that's, that's one that, that we could grab hold of. Isn't it? Don't, don't talk bad about each other. Now, in the church in the South, we have a workaround on that. If you want to talk about somebody else, here's the way you do it. If you've got to do it, here's the workaround. At the end of it, you say, bless their hearts. <laughs> or, if you're really spiritual, you go, keep them in your prayers. Paul said, don't talk bad about each other. Build each other up. Grow in faith together. And in the scripture that we read, share life together with humility and gentleness and patience. He says, bear one another with love. In other words, don't just act nice. Love each other. Bear, look at another person and love them. And seek for unity, oneness, and the bond of peace. And then he reminds us, and there are seven of these. It's important. He, he wants us to get it. He says, you're one body with one spirit. You share the one spirit of God and the one hope to which you've been called. And he goes, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all who is in all, through all, and above all. We're called to be the family of God and to love and to cherish and to support one another. In other words, he reminds us, and World Communion Sunday reminds us that God so loved the world. Today we'll be watching some ball games. At the ball games, I'm sure there's going to be somebody holding up a sign and we've seen the sign before. Now, I'll just share with you, my wife is not here this morning. She had to leave a little bit early because today is her mother's 90th birthday and they're having a birthday celebration for her. And, and the church where they're going is having the celebration from 2 to 4. I said to my wife. <laughs> but the Panthers play from 1 to 4. She said, I know, but this is the only time that our home church had the fellowship hall open. We, there was nothing else we could do. And I said, tell your mom I said happy birthday. <laughs> and the bruises are healing nicely. So at the ball games this afternoon, someone will hold up a sign, typically. The races, wherever you are, John 3.16. We know it. We quote it. We know it by heart. Sometimes we forget it. It says, for God so loved America. No, it said, for God so loved the English-speaking people. Actually, it says, for God so loved the world, which includes America. 
which includes the English-speaking people. But it transcends it. That God not only loves us, God loves us, but God also loves the world and gave His only begotten Son for the whole world so that whoever would believe in Him would would not perish, but have everlasting life. And today on World Communion Sunday, then we get a a taste of holy oneness where the church around the world is celebrating this table. You know, one of the things now that my kids are grown that we really cherish is, is when both of our kids and our family are all at the same table at the same time. It doesn't happen every day anymore. So those of you who have little ones, you know, hang on to it because it's precious. But when, when our kids are at the same table at the same time, it's precious. Today, for God, His children are coming to the same table at the same time. It's World Communion Sunday. Whether we're white, black, brown, yellow, red, doesn't matter. All God's kids... Coming to the table. And and all the languages and cultures coming to the table. I mean, I I am sharing with you today, and we're worshiping God today in English. Why? It's all I know. (laughs) Mi espanol, muy poquito. And not very good. But today, right now, about an an hour and a half from here, there's a little country church where I grew up. And, and my mother's sitting in that little church, and my younger brother and his wife, and three daughters, and some of my cousins, and some of the neighbors, some of the people that I grew up with, some of the people I've known for a long time. And you know what's cool? Is right now they have a table that looks a lot like that one sitting there. And today, we're going to have Sunday dinner together in just a few moments. God's kids. And this morning in Monroe, at our campus there, they, we worshiped together this morning. They worshiped in, in Spanish and in English, but in Spanish. Sharing together the good news of Jesus Christ that God so loved the world, which included them and includes us. And they worshiped and praised God. And today in Costa Rica, where many of you have been, we send teams there and have for many years from this church and, and built buildings and built relationships, built relationships with youth and others. And it's absolutely a powerful place. And right now, people have joined together in, in, in those buildings and, and some of those people that you've fallen in love with are, have joined together worshiping God and praising God. And the coolest thing is they, they have a table that looks a lot like that one. And today we experience holy oneness. And today in Swahili and Kikuyu, our folks from Kenya have been worshiping God. Early this morning, they got a head start on us because of the time difference. But they began worshiping God. Pastor Simon who many of you love, Pastor Julius, who's just one of the greatest guys, and Pastor Henry, who can speak faster than any human being I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) He can make an auctioneer seem like he stuttered. (laughs) 
but they worship God today. Well, the table looks a lot like this one. And in Bulgaria, in the town of Varna, Daniel Topolowski, who's the pastor and the superintendent over both Bulgaria and Romania, Daniel led worship in Bulgarian. And then there was a table that looked a lot like this one. And we worship God together. And in Bodegrad, small little village in Bulgaria, it's the smallest, it, Bulgaria is the poorest country in the European Union, and Bodegrad is, is, is one of the poorest areas. They are one of the smallest villages. And, and this church, you all helped build years ago, you actually built the building. You built a sanctuary. They have your picture up inside their sanctuary. And if you want to know where your offering goes, Every time you share an offering, you're paying for that pastor to be there in that community to minister to those people, and your offering keeps the lights on there. You're making a world of difference. And today, Pastor Yorgi stood up with those people, and in Bulgarian, he proclaimed that God so loved the world, and he knew that included us. And he had a table looked a lot like that one. And in Romania, Pastor Christian led worship today. Christian Estrate. Do you know there are only three United Methodist churches in Romania? Did you know you support the pastor and the church, one of those churches? I love to tell people this when they ask me, you know, what kind of missions are your church involved with? And I tell them about Kenya and Costa Rica and, and the local missions, everything else. And I said, and then in Romania... We're responsible for one-third of all of Methodism. <laughs> but you, you support, because what happens is, is today, Christian Estrade, a great young pastor, and his wife, Legia, led worship, and they had a table that looked a lot like this one. And we worship God together. In, in Houston, Texas today, at a Presbyterian church where one of my dear friends is one of the pastors there. They're setting up a table looks a lot like this one. And although where he and I used to meet regularly together now that he's moved to Houston, we don't see <clears throat> each other as much, but we will share Sunday dinner today because there's a table that looks a lot like this one. All across the world, United Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Catholics, Orthodox, Episcopalians, non-denominational, Baptists, others, we come to the table. We live in a divided world, but we are the church. And hopefully we as a church can transcend some of this for a little while. And even though we may disagree on the issues, we can at least agree. We're children of God. We're God's kids. And we can love each other. And for a moment, have a holy oneness.
I invite you to join me for the great Thanksgiving. This is a liturgy that many churches around our world in a variety of languages have shared today. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy... are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. He broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you. He gave it to his disciples and he said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice and union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts 
of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by His blood. By Your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at His heavenly banquet. Through Your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and Your Holy Church, all honor and glory is Yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.